Oh my stars, I am so thrilled you're here. My name is Kai Graham and welcome to another episode in my podcast, The Parent and Teen Toolbox, which is designed to equip parents and teenagers with the tools for navigating adolescence. I've been in the trenches of parenting and now I'm on a mission to help parents support their teenagers so that together we can build a mentally healthier and happier generation of young people. Each week you will receive learnings and takeaways that will help you tackle the challenges and the oh shit moments that are often associated with parenting tweens and teens. I have your back and I'm glad you're here. Hey there, I am so glad you're here and thank you for listening. So at time of recording, we are in the UK about sort of probably a week, 10 days into homeschooling for the umpteenth time due to lockdown three. And I am getting lots of comments, lots of questions from parents who are to all intents and purposes trying to deal with RC teenagers their kids are being disrespectful, their kids are driving them mad, there's too much eye-rolling and door-slamming and arguments and the parents are at their wits' end and wanting to know what to do about it because, understandably, this is going to be a fairly long road if we can't nip this in the bud. To be fair, this is probably being highlighted because, once again, we're all under one roof as happy families and not everyone is terribly enamoured by this. So there are nerves afraid. So I want to give you today the top 10 tips for dealing with disrespectful teens. One mum, and I'm sure many of you can relate to this, sort of said, this is the first week of my daughter doing school from home. She's in year eight and she's 12. But in the past two weeks, she's morphed into a teenager. Do you remember that? Those of you who are old enough in the UK to remember Kevin and Perry, the uh, whatever. And so maybe many of us can relate to that, but that our darling children who used to sort of run in from school or jump on our knee and tell us their sort of hopes, their dreams and what's been going on in their day. Now they're just eye rolling. They just think that we're absolutely a huge embarrassment and really don't want to communicate with us at all. Many parents are questioning, is this normal? And when will I get my child back? When will I get my charming child back? And yeah, it is. This is normal behavior. And this is why I want to help you and give you the top 10 tips. I think the first thing, number one, it really, really helps to understand the teen brain. By the age of six, the brain has totally been, all the bits and pieces of the brain are there and waiting to start fully functioning. The problem is, is that for a while, up until, wait for it, the mid-twenties, the connections, the wiring haven't been sort of connected. The wiring hasn't been completed. So we might be sort of sitting there with all the components, but because the wiring isn't quite right, then we've got all this risky behavior, the lack of decision-making, sort of high-running emotions. If you think of the front bit of the brain, that's the prefrontal cortex. That's the last bit that gets that gets developed, that gets created, that gets formed. It's the sort of, for want of a better phrase, the remote control for the brain. And so this is why we do still have the risky behavior. We have questionable decisions. And 
it makes not only us as parents, but it makes our teenagers frustrated. It, they become very impulsive and they sort of can't quite do what they want to do or things aren't happening the way they want them to happen. So emotions are running high on, on all, from all people in the home. But this, my friend, is biology. This is what it's, you know, this is how it's meant to be. Everything's running according to plan. So we need to just take a step back and realize that actually it's not sort of all doom and gloom. Our teenagers are doing what they're wired to do, I'm afraid to say. And actually, in kindness, we need to adapt. So rather than judging the person, oh, you're bad, you're always this, you're so that, we need to look at the behavior. And it's the behavior that we should be focusing on. Secondly, Look at the emotional needs here. As I said, emotions are running high. Our teens are confused. They're overwhelmed. They are being bombarded with new rules and boundaries. Their body is being bombarded with hormones. And it's a really confusing time. They feel powerless. They feel scared. They feel confused. I know, so do we, but we're the grown-ups, so let's get on with it. So I think the thing is, is what's happening is that our child feels as though they need to try and get some control back again. So yeah, they are going to push our buttons. Yes, they are going to challenge our rules. And what we need to understand is amongst all this chaos and confusion, what is the positive intention here? Because always, I'm an NLP master practitioner, and we always say, what is the positive intention behind the behavior? And what you'll probably do if you start sort of scratching underneath the surface is to find out that your child needs, as I always say, love, understanding, and respect. Now, your child needs it, we all blimmin' well need it. But love, understanding and respect. So in this instance, looking at the first two points that I've said, you know, their emotional needs and understanding the team brain, that's what they need is they need our understanding. Point number three, you are their role model. Now, many of you are um, coping with the, the homeschooling and it'll be driving you absolutely bonkers. I know that. And if you're struggling, go and look at the previous episode all about homeschooling. But what we have to remember here is primarily we are and always have been our child's first educator, the first point of support of call. And we are their role model in these uncertain times, be they this pandemic or be they broken hearts or be they trying to cope with their sort of schoolwork or their hormones or navigating adolescence. We are our children's first port of call. So we need to be steady. We need we are running this ship. And so we can't lose our temper or throw a strop or or sort of do that. I haven't a clue what I'm doing here. Because we need to lead by example. And if you're on a plane that's in turbulence and you, you know, the first thing we do is look at the cabin crew and go, hang on a minute, how's everything going? If they're running up at, at the aisles going, don't panic, don't panic, it's all going to be fine, but I don't know what I'm doing here. We are going to struggle, aren't we? So we look, when we are in, in times of trouble, we look to our leaders, our mentors, our coaches, our role models, and that is exactly what your child is doing. So we need to be respectful of their feelings and we need to rise above the chaos and remain calm and remain compassionate. 
Point four is is worth remembering, and I know that you know it, but it's always worth sort of, you know, reiterating that your child is now looking for independence. They are now looking to try and exert their own independence and because because they are wired to flee the nest. And so as was previously, the balance of power was very much with the parents. This has shifted a lot. And actually, our teens are looking to regain some of that power, to regain some of that control. And that is a, a point for all of us to start adjusting to, because, you know, the, the one thing that really strikes many parents when I sort of say to them is when you have a teenager under your roof, you are moving from a sort of from a managerial role to a mental role. And that's when the penny drops and they suddenly go, oh, crap, right, OK, I get it now. We can no longer rule by a rod of iron. I just remember the first time when suddenly the naughty step was no longer a threat to my sort of, you know, six-year-old. It was, yeah, whatever. And it was like, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do now? And the same sort of thing is happening with our children in that once they become wired for this independence, and sometimes it starts a lot earlier than the teen years, you know, we, we have to deal with that now. But it's that sort of shift in the balance of power. So our kids are are pushing the rules. They're testing the rules. They're testing the boundaries because they need to start feeling as though they have a bit of control in their own lives. So really, we need not to be hot-headed and react to this. It's an we need to maintain a, an attitude of, all oh, right, okay, so this is what's happening. It's understanding what's going on and acknowledging that this move for independence is, in fact, totally normal, and we need to adapt to that. And as a result of that, number five, pick your battles. We don't have to have, we don't have to make a mountain out of a molehill. We are going to get eye rolling and shrugging and shoulders and slamming of doors. No, you just don't get it. And oh, it's so unfair. And oh, I hate you. Because that's what part and parcel of raising a teenager is all about. There is a difference between that and blatant rudeness. And the thing is, is if we ignore the big stuff, then that is going to create um, long-term problems. So it's a matter of, you know, sort of finding out what are the things that are, you know, what are the issues that, yeah, we can let slide um, and what are the issues or the, you know, sort of where, where do we sort of, um, you know, pull our kids up on really bad behavior because we still want them to understand right from wrong. The thing is, is that actually they do understand right from wrong. They know exactly what they should and shouldn't be doing, but they're being arsy and kicking off just to see what they can get away with. And actually, our kids need to be sort of, uh, the, we, they need us to pull the reins in a little bit. But the point is, is that don't pull them up on everything because otherwise you are going to be absolutely knackered. Point six, you need to be consistent in your responses and in your own behavior. The lack of consistency with rules and boundaries and how we respond and, you know, what we let our kids to get away with, the lack of consistency creates the inevitable bad behavior and the inevitable disrespect, okay? Now, this is, this also, you know, is, for, for, from you 
personally is make sure that you sort of you know keep the same story keep the same response keep your your same um you know sort of expectations but also when we have two parents in the home often the mud the waters become can become sort of rather mudded you know it's that sort of good cop bad cop and and i think the thing is is as as you know there are more than one parent in the house we need to for want of a better phrase, sing off the same hymn sheet because otherwise our kids can spot a mile off if there is, you know, sort of a chink in the armour, if there is a breakdown here. So whether or not you are um, in agreement or whatever, we need to have all parents on board so that the sort of parental line is consistent across the board. Number seven, Actions have consequences. Indeed, they do. You know, if if you um, sort of break the law, you suffer the consequences. If you go out in your car with no petrol in the tank, you suffer the consequences. Um, and the the same as with parenting, the same as it, it, with our kids. Um, consequences are sort of really designed to acknowledge bad behavior. But what I do encourage you to do is to acknowledge the good behavior as well, because um, we don't always want to be pulled up on the rubbish that we do. Half the time we know that we're doing it anyway, and that's why, hence, you know, pick your battles. But we, it's it's good to, to sort of hear what we are doing right. But the thing about consequences is that we need to be able to follow them through. So there's absolutely no point th- making threats and um, not doing anything about it. So the point of consequences is that it sets for our children um, the expectations of what is acceptable behavior and what isn't acceptable behavior. And what I suggest you do is you discuss the consequences with your child because they need the control, because they need to feel as though they are gaining that little bit of ground and the fact that the balance of power isn't totally in your court. So it's discussing um, the consequences with our kids because once we get our kids to collaborate, I can guarantee they are better willing, more willing to um, cooperate. So we need to set expectations. And what I suggest you do is you do this ahead of time, preempting problems. So if your child is wanting to sort of, you know, go out and see their mates, um, you need to set your expectations. Now, they're going to be very different at the minute with, um, you know, quarantine and lockdown. But it's, it's, you know, we still need our kids to understand what is expected of them. And that way, once it is sort of, it's, it's never going to be totally clear in their head because they, they're always going to try and find some wiggle room. But it's, it's, it, it could even be sort of, you know, with social media um, or, or, you know, screen time. And, and for some parents, writing a contract really works well for them and you shove it on the fridge. And for other parents, it's just sort of, you know, sitting down with the kids and having a bit of a reminder or maybe even putting, you know, boundaries or bullet points on the fridge. But just... Make sure that your child has, um, you know, discussed these consequences with you. Because if you sort of um, set unrealistic consequences, then the likelihood is is that they're not going to follow through with them and they're just going to totally ignore you, which then actually loses the balance of power and it gives them a bit more, dare I say, hold um, because... Yeah, you you know what they're like. Give them an inch and they'll take a mile sometimes. Um, The point about consequences, not only setting, you know, your expectations early, make consequences short term. 
Don't sort of say, oh, you are banned from doing X, Y and Z for a whole month. I mean, you know, good luck with enforcing that because after about sort of three or four days, everyone gets really jaundiced about it and it, it, it builds resentment. So what the whole point about sort of boundaries and consequences are that the child or whoever learns the lesson and has the ability to move on. So set the expectations and make the consequences short term. Also, and I know this is, you, you know, you might sort of think it's counterproductive. Do not make the consequences too harsh. Again, what happens is it's, oh, poor me, poor me. My mum's such a cow and my dad's such a so-and-so or whoever it is. And the point is, is that this actually takes away from the lesson that needs to be learned and it just builds resentment. And what we're really doing, the purpose of consequences is to guide our children to slightly better behavior. And so what we want them to do is to learn what is going on and, you know, to sort of, so it really is the short, sharp shock treatment. So don't make them too harsh. Um, Banning your child off the phone for a month is just, well, that's parental suicide for a start. So I, I would suggest, you know, sort of short, sharp shock so that they will, yeah, of course they'll moan, but because it's sort of, you know, it, it, it just needs to be enough to make an impact. And as a result of all this, when you are imposing the consequences, when you are sort of, you know, when your child is having to learn their lesson, don't, don't have a slanging match. Punitive comments of, well, you know, if only you'd done it my way to begin with. It, you're not, you're, you're, what you're then doing is sort of, you know, creating arguments. It would be, it's, it's best to sort of state the consequence and get out and um, allow your child the, the space to get really cross. But what, what we're really looking for here is yes, actions have consequences and they need to be implementable. Number eight, do not take this personally and do not make it personal. This isn't about you and it isn't about your child. Remember that it is about your child's behavior. And so we want to acknowledge the behavior, not the child. Oh, you always do this. Oh, it's so bad. You know, I you, you drive me mad and blah, 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 blah. That's not really it. It's listen, the curfew was broken or listen, you ran, you know, the, 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 you ran over the time. And it's just helping your child understand, yes, you love them dearly. Yes, you've got their back. Yes, you are guiding them. But in order for them to learn, it is the behavior that you are punishing, disciplining or whatever, rather than the child themselves. Because otherwise it's, oh, well, you like so-and-so more than me, or you didn't do that with, with my brother, but you did it, you know, so, and, and it's just a waste of time. So it's really the behavior we need to speak about, and it is not the person. So don't, don't start sort of, you know, um, make, allowing your child to make it personal, because they're, they're, quite savvy at doing that, which is also taking me to number nine, which is the do not engage in arguments. The whole point is, is that this is where we need to be the role model. This is where we need to be calm. This is where we need to just stipulate that rule was broken, that boundary was pushed, that behavior was unacceptable. And we don't want to make it into a power struggle. Oh, you just don't get me. Oh, you're so mean. Yeah, okay. But we agreed this in advance. This, you know, you are fully aware that 
actions had con- consequences. We had that conversation, or please refer to the the sort of you know the note on the fridge. It says here that phones should be put in the bread basket at five, or it says here that you should be in from whatever at ten or whatever it is. Um, and so avoid trying to get into a she said he said tit for tat. Um, you're not going to win. Because the point is, is when kids, when our kids are trying to escalate and try and find an argument, they're not going to listen. They they are just wanting to have, you know, they're on send and not receive, and they are just wanting to have their say. So maybe if you need to, you might need to um, change rules and boundaries. That's fine. You need to be flexible, but do not do it in the heat of the moment. This is when, it, if necessary, you can take time out and re-engage when everyone has calmed down. So don't engage in arguments. And finally, mind your language. And I don't mean the F's and the, you know, B's and the whatever. What I mean is how we refer to our children and their behavior and who they are. It's, it's, we, we, it, it, it's very easy to start sounding judgmental when we are discussing things in the heat of the moment. You know, oh, you always do this and you never do that. And I, you know, and it's it's sort of, this is when it sort of starts turning, it's sort of, um, you know, personal again, but you should do this and you must do that. It's, it's red rag to a bull for, for, for teenagers. So it's, again, it's just watching how you say things, you know, so, oh, well, you always leave your towel on the floor or no one ever unloads the dishwasher or I've said so many times you always ignore me. And this is, it's just not true for a start. And so, it's just avoid these sort of inflammatory language. It's it, and it, I know it's hard, but go and practice box breathing, or you know, sort of. Um, it, it's and and there are sort of, kygram.com forward slash yt box with there's, there's a YouTube video on that, um, so that'll help you. But it's just find a language that is calm, that is respectful. You're the role model here, don't forget. And um, allow your child just to understand what you're trying to say to them rather than using sort of um, judgmental and inflammatory language. We all want to feel loved, understood and respected. And your teenager is no exception to that. And so as you are navigating these choppy waters, remember you are the captain of your ship. You are that role model that your child is looking to. So especially, you know, we're, we're in very uncertain times here, but you know, if you're, if you're even listening to this and, you know, sort of vaccines have done and, and coronavirus is a sort of distant memory, we still remember if you're listening to this, it will still be relevant. You are still, you know, teenagers aren't going to change at the end of the pandemic. They are still going to be stroppy. They are still going to press your buttons and they're still going to be to some extent a pain in the neck. That's their job. That's what they're here for. Why? Because they are learning how to navigate this new world of adulthood. And um, whilst they're learning that, they are going to sort of kick the tires. They are going to kick out to those people who are closest to them. And invariably, it's mum and dad or whoever, you know, granny and grandpa or, you know, whoever you are that is is sort of caring for, for these these kids, your, your child. Um, so what I do say is try this. Remember that 
how you respond actually dictates the outcome of any situation, okay? You know, if, if God forbid, um, you came across um, a, a car accident and someone was injured, and if you sort of ran away, oh, my God, oh, my God, I hate blood. Oh, look, this looks awful. They look in so much pain. Oh, that's awful. Oh, my God, I don't know what to do, and I don't know how to cope. No one is actually going to be looking to you for advice and for guidance, are they? If you go up calmly, speak calmly to, you know, the sort of people concerned and say, don't worry, I've got this, I'm here to help, how much better is that? And the same is with our children. The same is when we are, you know, sort of dealing with stressful situations. Try and keep your head. And so I've got a, a, a formula, which is E plus R equals O. E being the event. And the event could be a stroppy teenager slamming doors. An event could be your, you know, sort of um, you come across a car accident. It could be your boss being horrible. It could be, you know, sort of um, someone sort of lying to you. It could be anything, any of these things. The, the electricity goes off and your freezer defrosts, you know, whatever it is. E is the event that actually, to all intents and purposes, you cannot control. The thing that you can control is your response to it. And how you respond gives the outcome really so if you're looking for a better outcome let's try start looking for better responses and invariably in this situation with your teenagers they want you they want to feel as though you've got their back they want to feel in this uncertain world in all this chaos that you know what you're doing and that they are in a safe pair of hands they want to know that you love them they know they want to know that you get them and they want to know that you think that they're pretty cool and they're all right. And that is really how your child wants to feel. They want to feel loved and reassured. And so that is our ultimate aim, isn't it? To have happy, well-adjusted kids at the end of the day. So invariably, we might have to bite our tongue. There's no point going off on one and sort of, oh, well, it just makes me so cross the way you're always so disrespectful. Yeah, yada, yada, yada. And so how you respond to something really dictates the outcome that you're going to get. And we have to remember, especially now, especially in lockdown, especially with our kids trying to navigate a pandemic. I know we've not done it before. I get that. But our kids are looking to us for guidance. They are looking for us when they can't see their friends. They are looking to us when they haven't got their tribe with them. They haven't got, you know, their, their, their friends are the most important thing to them and they are struggling without them. They are struggling to find independence when they are locked in at home. They are struggling to navigate um, online learning when in fact all they want to do is sort of most of them is to get to school and get back to normal I know they don't want to do all the online work and I know that they don't want to do any most of them don't want to do school work full stop but I tell you what if they had a choice they'd rather be doing it in a classroom than sitting at the kitchen table with you peering down the neck so it is worth acknowledging what our kids are going through and by responding to that then you are likely to get a better outcome and a calmer outcome and less eye-rolling. Well, maybe not less eye-rolling because that I think that's inherent in all teenagers, but less door slamming, less arguments and a lot more harmony at home. So with that, I'm sending you much, much love 
and stay happy and stay safe. Catch you next time. Thanks so much for listening to this entire podcast. If you want to help other parents looking for support, then please share this with your friends and family. Because if you found this podcast useful, then they will too. So please share via your social media. If you have any parenting questions, then please give me a shout through my email, which is toolbox at And I may even use your question as a future podcast episode. If you want to connect, please come and join me on Instagram. Just search for Kai Graham. Also, could you do me a favour, please? Parenting teenagers can feel very confusing and isolating at times. And I believe that it takes a village to raise a child. And we are here to support one another. I'd love it if you would leave a review on iTunes. And a good one, by the way. (laughs) Because when you do, it lets more parents out there know that there is support for them too. Thank you. And as always, this comes with much love.